You're listening to The Kylo Show, a podcast about how to keep your love on no matter what and why whole healthy families are going to save the world. In the last eight episodes, Danny and Brittany have laid the groundwork for why whole healthy families are important. In the next five episodes, they're going to talk to you about the five Kylo principles, starting with the first principle, being powerful. Being powerful doesn't mean being loud, scary, or destructive. It means loving God, ourselves, and others the way God does. So if you want to be a powerful person, cut the distractions, lean in, and get ready because the Kylo Show starts now. Welcome to the Kylo Show. We are excited to be here. We're back. We are. We're going to be taking... Some questions this round, so I'm excited. It's a little bit new. I know we we are like breaking into the the next part of how we do this. We are we're we're changing it up on you, but yeah. this is kind of going to be the long term game. This is it. This, this is, is this our is... our real format. We'll uh-huh. be kind of out of uh, teacher style and more into kind of conversation and taking questions and kind of giving practical yeah. application to Kylo. Yeah, so we're going to cover, you know, really the goal is to talk about the five principles, or at least one of them every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So if you've forgotten what those are, it's to be powerful, to choose love over fear, to pursue the goal of connection, the practice of respectful communication, mm-hmm. and the good old healthy boundaries. Good so we're going to talk about that in one way or another mm-hmm. um, in all these different episodes that we're doing, which is really fun. But today... We're really chasing after being powerful people. Powerful people. Probably one of the most confusing things that we throw out there is being powerful. Because some people, I don't know why, but when they hear power, they think angry. Yeah, aggressive. Yeah, yeah. So powerful people are angry people. Mm -hmm. Powerful people are the people that throw a fit when they don't get their way and everybody yields so that they can have what they want. That sounds like a toddler, Totally. That is not powerful people. That is powerfully immature Yes. Yeah, yeah. That is powerfully selfish mm-hmm. and powerfully destructive, but it is not a powerful person. No way when we talk about powerful people are we talking about being destructive. Which is funny because I think that's really what um what cowers people to respond is those angry loud people. Yeah. Is that's you know, the <clears throat> angry person at the in the grocery store at you or on the road or in your family conversation. That's what usually moves you to, I guess, react to the situation is that person feels powerful. Yeah, most people are trained by intimidation, right? Mm. So most people think that uh, the way you get another human being to do something is you threaten them. You threaten to physically harm them. You physically, you, you, you threaten to uh, remove something of theirs. You threaten to throw them in jail or find them if they don't let you control them. Hmm. And so from the time people are a little tiny, they grow up thinking in the presence of someone's demand that could lead to my harm, I acquiesce, I yield, I give away my self-control, and I let that person do what they want. And that is called power. You know, it's political power, it's uh, military power, it's intimidating power, but it's not personal power. Hmm. It's the opposite. The opposite is when I give away my power 
to feed the illusion that someone else can control me. Which that person gets to control us in our emotions, our choices, our, I mean, all sorts of things at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a mirage, right? It's yeah. like uh, parents. I think this is probably the, <laughs> this is probably the classic training ground for children is that I'll be really sweet to you so that you do what I want. Mm-hmm. I'll be really uh, intimidating to you and threatening to you so that you do what I want. Uh, we'll negotiate and you know do this thing so that you'll do what I want. And all of it gives the parent the feeling that they're making the child's decisions. It isn't until that child pops them right across the chops with a big old no, mm-hmm. or a, you can't make me, or a, a meltdown in the store, or just loses their stuff. You know, you're yeah. like, okay, well, that proves right there that you never did control them. They were just participating in the illusion of control. And I think this is the thing that people have to own is that. I participate in an illusion of control. Yeah. It's not true that you control me. Which is, I feel like there's a lot of participating people in this world. <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole lot. <laughs> and, and that's the huge struggle. I feel like you've defined what we think is powerful, but really is completely the opposite. Yeah. And even those powerful people in the world's view or, or in this aggressive view we've labeled as powerful, but that is not, that is powerless because I'm trying to force something upon you. And what is the driving factor of that? Like I think of probably fear and anxiety. Yeah. Self-preservation is the, you know, is, is the crux of, of all sin, Mm -hmm. you know, is trying to save my own life. Because even if I give you what you've intimidated me into giving you, the only reason I'm doing it is so I can get what I want, which is safety. Yeah. Which is to avoid being punished. Uh, if if you know you stick a gun in my face and tell me to give you all my money, and I do, that is not a generous offering. Right. You know this is a robbery mm-hmm. because I paid you so I could be safe. Yeah. But but I I didn't give you anything. Yeah. So. As a parent, when I say I'm going to hurt you Mm. if you don't give me what I want, and so the kid gives me what I want, the kid didn't obey me. The kid survived me. And that ongoing agreement where we create this self-preservation loop between human beings who say they love each other distorts love. Yeah, that doesn't sound like anything I want to be a part of. No, and they go on to... Do it in a in a in a marriage, right? You know? And build a family on this illusion. Yeah. Okay, so we've defined powerless pretty well. <laughs> and there's got to be some. Well, what we need to clarify what powerful is. I feel like because uh-huh. that's the we we're we are wonderful at powerless. It sounds like and the illusion that we're living up to in a lot of different ways. We, we, I think we spend so much time being trained in powerlessness. Yeah, it's true. That eventually we just put on the hat of victim, mm. you know, but not very many people are trained to be powerful or 
trained to be self-controlled, personally responsible with their decisions and with their their uh, their sphere of influence. So how do we learn or retrain ourselves to being powerful if we've got, you know, I think generations? A, yeah, it starts with the, it, we had to break our agreement with the lie that I can control other people. Mm-hmm. I can't, which in turn means other people cannot control me. So if I don't control me, I'm out of control. Yeah. If you don't control you, you're out of control. And this idea that because we love each other, we control each other is devastating to the long-term success of either person. Because if I'm not around, you're out of control. And then look what you did because I wasn't around. So you can't go, you can't be out of my sight. Yeah. I think teenagers and parents have this dynamic going on. Totally. totally. (laughs) And, and, and couples. Yeah. I'm going to go out with my friends. No, you're not. Mm. I have to control you everywhere you go. You're out of control. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. No. So, I mean, I feel like, is God the ultimate powerful person? Yeah, absolutely. Nobody controls God. But God could control us, but he doesn't. You know, maybe he could in that um, he could intimidate us to death, you know, but he designed us to have a choice so that we could love him, you know, because without a choice, you can't choose love. You can't choose the best part of a relationship if you're not free. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he designs Adam and Eve with a choice, like, here you go, do whatever you want. There's one thing you can't do, you can do whatever you want. And that's so that they can be free. And they did whatever they want. And it was the enemy appealed to their self-preservation. And they decided, I want to be the rule maker. And here we are. Yeah. You know? Which is, I mean, if anyone wants to argue that God isn't for powerful people, I guess that's what the argument you could have with Adam and Eve from the very beginning. Yeah. Designed. Designed to botch the perfect situation mm-hmm. and botch they did <laughs> yay yes in the, in the grandest and here scale. we are in our clothes right and here That's we are in our clothes yes so really being powerful is also paired with loving people or, or, or operating in love mm-hmm. being free because you you can't be powerful if you're not free and you're not free if you don't have a choice okay and so the, the choice opens up the, the necessity to be powerful. Like, all right, I have these two choices. Powerfully, which one will I accept responsibility for? Mm-hmm. And when people push that responsibility away from them and transfer that into blame, you're the reason I did what I did, is irresponsible and uh, powerless. Yeah. So really it's a, (laughs) so the language I choose is a powerful thing and I will, or, and this is, there's verbiage that makes powerful statements versus powerless statements. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. what I'm, it sounds like in your stories of 
conversation of different things, but yeah, like Yoda. Yeah, yeah. Like, do or do not. Exactly. There is no try because there, there's a classic uh, powerless statement: "Is I'll try." Mm-hmm. You know, I'll try. You know that that you can't. No, no. It's it's you do it. You you will or you won't. There's no try, mm-hmm. and that's you know that is. Yoda pointing to personal responsibility, like, are you going to do something or are you not going to do something? That's, that's the manifestation of a, of a powerful choice is you said yes, you said no, but you didn't say, eh. you, know, mm-hmm. you can't say, eh. there's no, there's, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It feels like there's, a, there's core beliefs to being a powerful person. Mm-hmm. There's beliefs to, you know, whether we have had reinforced for generations of being powerless, but when you make the shift over to being a powerful person comes a new form of beliefs that have to be part of your vocabulary, part of your drive, part of your choice, I guess, in life even. Mm-hmm. Does that feel like what, what would be those core beliefs? Um, well, yeah, it starts with, you know, I, on a good day, I manage me, mm-hmm. you know, I don't ever, I don't, I'm not in charge of the choices you make. I, I can't decide your attitude. I can't decide your love. I can't decide your hate. Yeah. I can't decide your desire for connection. I can't desire your desire for distance. I don't get to choose a whole bunch about you. Um, I think that, um, my decisions to build my life means that you're not responsible for the life I end up in, mm. you know, which is, which is hard because a lot of people yeah. like to say things like, well, you're the reason I'm miserable. Yeah. You know, you. You are why I'm so disrespectful as a human being and why I talk so dis I talk disrespectful because you talk disrespectful. I am disrespectful because you are disrespectful. You control the way I talk and who I have become. Like, wow, there is a uh absolute abandonment of personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. So being a powerful person looks like being a responsible person. Uh, how, someone of ownership, mm-hmm. Some, a fully themselves. Yeah, that, I, I, I come down on. Nobody got me here but me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know this. It's it's popular belief that uh, everybody else is why you're miserable. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is why you have or don't have what you have um everyone else is responsible for uh where you got to uh where you stopped what you did with what you had um you know it's it's the classic victim mentality Mm. well i think we're going to talk about it some more Mm -hmm. we're going to answer some questions and so maybe we'll get here we go we're getting practical applications Mm -hmm. for everybody so you can see real life situations instead of just us talking about there are real life, but they're just not your questions. Awesome. So we're going to dive into that. When we come back, Danny and Brittany are going to listen to and respond to listener questions and testimonies. And it's going to be awesome. 
Did you know that you could submit your questions or testimonies to Danny and Brittany to be aired on the show? Well, you can and you should. It's super simple and really quick. Go visit thekyloshow.com, scroll down the page and submit your question or testimony to be aired on the show. Super awesome, so take advantage. Go there now. Okay, so our first question we have Here is we go. coming from Adam from South Africa. Love Adam. Yeah, okay. Hi, so I'm working with some students at the moment, quite a few, and I've got a quick question around being powerful. What's the difference between being powerful and making good, helpful decisions versus being powerful and doing whatever I want and hurting a lot of people around me? Uh, seems to be my world at the moment. Um, and uh, if you could, some quick tips around how to make sure you're create, helping create a being powerful culture versus a being powerful hurting people culture. Thanks so much. That's a good question. Yep, that kind of ties in with what we talked about a yeah. little bit. You know that uh, powerful means selfish. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, powerful means destructive. Powerful mm-hmm. means me. Yeah. Because so much, so much about powerful has to do with with love and freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, really. I, I am powerful. I mean, in the in the Christian context, I am powerful to bear the fruit of the Spirit. That is what I am powerful to accomplish. So, my choices need to really be lining up with the character of Christ. Mm. And so, when I I choose, I choose the best for us. I choose the best in what I know God wants. I mean, when when he says, mm, you're back to one rule again, mm-hmm. you know, love, like, there you go. That's it. Every every decision I make essentially lines up with how well am I loving? Mm-hmm. And the, the error away from that eventually becomes sin. Like, I am missing the mark mm-hmm. because yeah. the mark is love. So... Sin is anything that wars against love. And so my character, my character development, my character uh, maturity, our context as a family, as a couple, as a, as a team, yeah. as a society, has everything to do with how well am I doing unto others as I would have them do to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a consistency around training, Yeah, you know, a basketball team. Like, are you thinking team or are you thinking yourself? Yeah. Because a good coach is going to, yeah. you know, go after that hot shot that thinks it's all about him. Like, you're killing our team. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean... He's talking about leaders specifically, which I mean, it's people. But I think when I'm leading a team, that thing of love and being aware of, you know, how am I treating other people? How am I leading other people? Is how well am I looking for that feedback of how are you experiencing me? Mm -hmm. You know, which I think that often leaders are not asking that question because they don't want to know. They don't want to know if they've missed the mark. They want to just assume that they're hitting the target. Totally. So I think that a really strong leader asks the question, you know, how is my team experiencing me? Mm-hmm. Um, do they feel safe? Do they feel loved? Do they feel empowered? Um, do they feel like feedback is welcomed and accepted? And then 
you know, looked at, not just, you know, because I think feedback is this funny thing where you can give it, but the other person is instantly defensive, which then it, I don't want to give you feedback because mm-hmm. it's not even looked at. Mm-hmm. Now, not every feedback is, you know, you take all of it, but the fact of even considering it and processing that is another, it just kind of feels like a, that's what I look at mm-hmm. when I'm leading teams. And that's my kids. You know, I think that's, they're my little basketball team, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, ben and I, our, our community of friends is the same thing as, you know, feedback, feedback. You know, Delane, or, no, it was Adeline. She asked me the other day about if one of my friends got jealous because we were going to go somewhere else for a holiday. And I said, I, I don't know that it was jealousy, honey. And she goes, well, they, they seem like they were upset. I said, I think this is feedback. I said, this is feedback to there's a need in my environment. And I have a decision of how I'm going to protect this feedback. And, you know, which was a fun teaching moment to be able to say, you know, what jealousy is versus feedback and community and feedback as friendship and, and, and just loving each other well. So that's, I mean, again, I, I think that's what I'm thinking of is practical is taking the temperature of your environment and how so, well. So what's the difference between my friends that jealous and I need to listen to this feedback? I think the depth of relationship helps navigate that for one. Like if it was a random, you know, passing by information or a friend, you know, it would probably have less attention to it. But because of there's a covenant relationship, there's a covenant um, breakdown, I'm going to lean in a little more than I probably would if it was just an acquaintance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that has to do with the investment that I know this person's making in the relationship and what I'm making in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the other breakdown is asking good questions. You know, what are you needing? This is what I'm hearing you say. You know, trying to gain understanding um, and then navigate, you know, does it feel like there is a, this is yours to navigate and not so much mine to navigate. I think the valuable piece about, you know, being someone who's willing to, weigh in on the feedback piece is that you you are afforded the opportunity of experiencing the shared pain mm. of your team, of your relationship, of your family, of society, whatever it is. I mean, if I actually will listen, if I get better and better at listening to mm-hmm. what you're saying and not making you an enemy because yeah. you're evil, yeah. I, will, I will change. I will be affected. I will... Uh, it, it will touch the love that I have for you. I'll express the love that I have for you and protect the relationship. So uh, it, it becomes less of a threat when you say ouch and more of helpful information about how I can adjust to protect us. So we have something fun. Yes. We have a testimony oh, from Jessica coming from Sacramento. So hey. hometown. Oh, I love Jessica. Hello, Kylo Show. Uh, This is my testimony of how I went from powerless to powerful. Um, I grew up in a pretty healthy family who really instilled in me a deep value for people. But I actually came to a point in my life where that value for people became so great, it actually took an unhealthy turn. And I realized that I had valued others so much that eventually there wasn't any value left for me. I had, through that, built a belief system that other people were more valuable and more powerful than I actually was. 
And though I thought I was doing pretty good, I actually didn't realize uh, how powerlessly I was operating. And I actually didn't really understand the power I personally had to make powerful choices. And I actually learned that pretty painfully. There was a moment uh, in my life that led me to this big realization, and it was actually a pretty painful situation. Uh, I had a leader and a spiritual parent in my life who I deeply trusted that actually ended up mistreating me. And though I knew it wasn't right, I didn't get help because I believed this person actually had more power than I did. Um, and because I didn't help, those moments of being mistreated only continued to grow. And I continued to feel imprisoned to the situation. Um, I actually believed that I was stuck and I believed that there wasn't anything that I could do uh, to get out of it. I believed I was powerless and just where I was <laughs> indefinitely until something happened. Um, and this all actually came to head when someone learned what was happening and the situation just unraveled. Really, it, it kind of blew up in my life quite a bit and was extremely uh, painful to navigate. But in that same painful moment was where I learned what being powerful looked like. I chose to submit to the process of really looking at myself and my belief systems so that I could grow and ensure that I never had to feel stuck in a situation again without any power. I actually chose to walk out the painful journey of recognizing that I actually had a part to play in that situation being prolonged. Um, I was making powerless choices, and once I realized that, I began to practice being powerful. Um, and again, that was that was painful because... Uh, I was also wronged, and it was hard to admit that I had a part to play because sometimes admitting that you have a part to play feels like it validates what also happened to you. Um, but I had to learn that it doesn't validate uh, what had happened to me, but I did have to realize that there was a part in that situation that I played that allowed that situation to be longer than it should have been. Um, and so as new everyday situations would arise, uh, conflicts, relationships, work, every day uh, I realized actually presented me with the opportunity to be powerful and make powerful choices. And so I began to choose to make those day to day, completely imperfectly and not always getting it right. But I continued to walk in awareness and grow in my awareness and make new choices, which actually led me to today. And I can confidently say uh, that I am a powerful person who makes powerful choices. Uh, sometimes I say to my friends, can you believe I just said that or did that uh, in regards to making powerful choices? Because sometimes I don't even recognize myself because the me I am today was actually non-existent years ago. Um, and I'll end with this. I just had a birthday party. It was my 30th birthday and my friends went around the room sharing what they loved about me and what inspired them about me. And this deeply impacted me because one of my friends actually said, I just love the way you speak up for yourself. And I love the way that you fight for yourself. It's inspiring. And I was so impacted because I used to be known for the opposite, but now People's favorite things about me 
are how I speak up, how I fight for me, how I make powerful choices, even when it's scary and uncomfortable. I've not only become known for it, but I've actually been able to help other people learn how to get powerful. Well, that was a beautiful, beautiful testimony. Boom. What a great story that is. Such a fun story. It's a beautiful, you know, outcome to the things that her friends are cheering her on about or once non-existent. It's such a, a, it it encapsulates the, the need for a healthy community, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like you, you, you have predators because you have prey. Yeah. You, it has to be a, uh, I I refuse to be prey. Mm -hmm. Therefore you don't get to be a predator. I mean, it is, uh, it's a setup in many environments where trust is is a commodity where you know vulnerability is something that we practice so readily and so deeply as in a, a church community. Yeah, I I love her her takeaway of I don't know that you know her her ownership piece that she had to discover, which is you know very right on with it almost feels like it's validating, but it's it's not. But it's such a crucial element to her healing point was the ownership of my part to play so this never happens again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really a big key to the powerful state that she's transformed into is I decided to own my piece, even though this was really awful and wrong, but now it's never going to happen again. Mm -hmm. And that's such a powerful statement. I love it. It was so great. Well, I'm so, so thankful for Jessica's testimony. That was really fun to, to listen to and to celebrate with her. Mm-hmm. So we have another question. And mm. uh, this comes from Don from Texas. Don. I love Don. How do you come out of the shame, fear, control cycle into being a powerful person in the relationship? The shame, fear, and control cycle. Yeah, that's the punishment cycle. Mm. You know, that's that whole... I have to hide my life from you because if you see me, if you see me make a mistake, then I deserve to be punished. I deserve to be uh, disconnected. I am unworthy of love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. And so it really, it's that, it's the, that paradigm in Unpunishable, the, our, our, the book Unpunishable is very much starts out with how do we get out of this cycle of feeling like we deserve to be punished if we ever get seen. Mm. And that's you know, that's when we have a distorted view of our father. Mm. If we think that he is this, you know, perfectionistic taskmaster that really only wants perfect kids, then we basically just live in trouble all the time and can't wait to spend eternity like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Oh, somehow we call that heaven. Mm. No, it's it's a distortion. It's a it's a perversion of how the enemy has tricked us all into believing that God the Father is something besides love, and 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 so we have to believe what Jesus shows us. You know, He says, "If you've seen me, you've seen my Father." And I didn't come here to judge the world. I came here to lay down my life as yeah. a ransom. I came to get you all back to the Father. Mm-hmm. And so that is its practice. You know, it's, 
It's uh, practice being powerful. It's practice protecting love. It's practice protecting the connection. Mm -hmm. It shifts everything away from perfect behavior and shifts everything over to how I treat love and connection in relationships. So really the dynamic of, um, you know, she said in, in a relationship, like how do you break that cycle? And you're saying be seen in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and shame seems to drive us to hide mm-hmm. either who we are or hide our needs or hide our love. And it's, and you're saying a, that component is the punishment factor almost always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I mean, like in Jessica's situation, her, her shame and her hiding herself, it sounded like was her leader. Maybe Dawn's referencing, uh, I don't know if she just said relationship, but that, that shame thing feels like a big thing that people often give permission to. Mm-hmm. That holds them captive to this powerless state. Yeah. I mean, what you listen to Jessica do and and what Don's referring to is a, a complete identity reformation. Mm. Like, I am no longer that, but yeah. I instead have become a child of the king. I am a daughter of the king of kings. The king of love is my daddy. Mm-hmm. I am no longer an orphan afraid of being destroyed by a, a master. I have transformed into mm-hmm. a dearly loved child. And so when you listen to Jessica's testimony, you're like, oh my gosh, that story was just, it, it was Hollywood. It was like, oh my gosh, look at the transformation of a human being mm-hmm. from this this person that seemed so fragile and mm-hmm. passive and powerless and was just being consumed absolutely consumed by this this leader that was in, in every rights you know a a a predator you know an absolute predator and and she had to face her greatest fears which was being a bad guy yeah. She was so afraid of being a bad guy that she would just not fight for herself. She would just not resist. She would not say anything. And so she she feels terrible because she's in the situation she knows she shouldn't be in, but the only way out of it is to be a a bad person and to tell and to get somebody in trouble and you know, hurt somebody she loves and yeah. violate all these things and it's like, "Girlfriend, do it." Yeah. What I think is interesting is, you know, she started off with um, her love for people, mm-hmm. you know, and to love, uh, I'm assuming, serving and giving your life for people. And I think even in Don's question, like this shame takes over of, I now remove myself as a priority and only insert you. Mm-hmm. And I cannot, you know, I, I think that the, the punishment piece that you referenced in Jessica's situation, sounds like um, distance. You know, this, um, you're not worthy of my love. You're not worthy of my attention. You're not worthy of, um, or you don't get, you know, you're worthy, but you don't get this permission from me because you're, you know, it's just 
crazy dynamic. But I, I think, again, this discovery of, I think a lot of people love people a lot and then get themselves into these situations. So how do we not do that? Uh, this, is, this is why whole healthy families are going to save the world. Whole healthy communities mm-hmm. are going to confront mm-hmm. these um, self-justifying, manipulative uh, consumers in relationships, especially in environments like the church. That you know, when you talk about laying your life down, when you talk about dying to yourself, when you talk about uh, love not your life even mm-hmm. unto death, and and you train people to be selfless, mm-hmm. and then you reward people who are aggressive and selfish with authority. Mm-hmm. That is a perfect blend of dysfunction. Yeah. You know, and so you have to raise the water level of the whole community. If that's normal in a, a family where I can ask for what I need, I know that there'll be an adjustment. I realize that the, the relationship is valuable, that I get to manage me. I don't have to control you to protect myself. Um, then we end up with a much healthier society. Mm-hmm. But as is, the um, intimidation rules in most families. Intimidation or neglect. Yeah. So I think, you know, practical takeaways here is feedback, community. What else? What else is a big one? Self-control. Okay. Truth. Uh-huh. Um, and and. And a high value for what love really is, okay. and that is um, the Father's love. That that I would serve you, and I would uh, honor you, and I will stay connected to you while we walk through any myriad of life's trials. But covenant relationship is I'll lay my life down for you, but I will tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And I will require that you adjust. That's great. Well, I love all of that. I think that I I love all these questions that we've gotten. I think they're really fun. <laughs> I think they're helpful. I hope they're helpful. I hope they're helpful. Um, Jessica's testimony was pretty fun. I think... Um, Such a great turnout. Yes. It's fun to, to see someone, again, being well-known for the exact opposite of what you were known for just a few years before that. Mm-hmm. It's, and the definition of a powerful person. She's leading in her community, it sounds like. She is. She's, she's, she's inspiring others. Strength. She, you know, she, she can impart the change that she's gone through. Yeah, which is the power of testimony is, you know, giving away those victories, which we're all about here. Yep. So just remember that whole healthy families are going to save the world. And thank you so much for joining us for The Kylo Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week when Danny and Brittany talk about Kylo Principle number two, choosing love over fear. Never miss an episode by subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch us on our Loving on Purpose YouTube channel. And don't forget to submit your questions or testimonies to The Kylo Show by visiting thekyloshow.com. The Kylo Show is produced by Ali Armading, co-produced by Ashley Beck, Anna Hill, Lee Alexander, and Sherry Silk, sound engineer and edited by Taylor Silk, and promoted by me. Christians Mora. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.